You're smart. Your TV is smart. That's why you cut the cord. But you need one more thing. Alaska's news source. Watch live or when it's convenient for you. Here's how. Just search Alaska's news source on Roku, Apple TV, Amazon Fire, or Android TV. Install and enjoy. It's completely free and has everything you need in one spot. Breaking news. Statewide weather. In-depth investigations. Start streaming Alaska's news source live today. back to Alaska's political pipeline. Who is with me today? Rebecca Pulsha. And I'm David Bernkoff. And we have a very quick couple of things to go over before we hear an interview with our Republican Senator Dan Sullivan. Mm -hmm. But you and I, first of all, must make note of a big development this week, and that was the Alaska Permanent Fund Corporation Mm -hmm. letting us know that they've run a bunch of new financial scenarios it is possible that they will run out of funds to pay the PFD by 2026, mm-hmm. three years from now. I ask you, Rebecca Palsha, as someone who has her finger on the pulse of Alaska, how important of a story is this? <laughs> oh, my gosh. It's it's the third rail. The PFD is the third rail. Man, like, we... No politician wants nobody. to be around to tell people, sorry, oh my we're out of money. Can only it's, pay you $50 it's, this year. You know, it's ended careers, the PFD, from decisions about it. But to be serious now, the problem is, and we've talked about this in mm-hmm. previous podcasts, there is a financial reality of mm-hmm. the money isn't going in like it used to. You have to still fund all these other things that a state needs. Mm-hmm. People want their PFD. Even the governor this year said we got to come up with maybe another revenue source. How about a sales tax? Mm-hmm. How about a? And they never got around and to we never it. Did. Do you think there's any chance that with these kinds of new numbers, that maybe it will force the politicians Jeez. to take this more seriously? You know, it's funny because it's just it's just this ongoing thing, and nobody ever seems to fix it. Or to have the answer, and every it almost sometimes feels like every year this is the year that either you don't get a PFD or you don't get the full PFD, or you have to have a smaller PFD, and the the government's shutting down, and we don't have any money, and it just seems like this never-ending story at this point. Well, we now know the clock is potentially ticking. Now they ran three scenarios, mm-hmm. and there were other scenarios that extended the time where there would be money to hand out for PFD, but. It is possible that by 2026, the money dries up. And if that doesn't put politicians on notice that they've got to really come up with some other funding solutions, I don't know what will. Because if you wait till one year out. Oh, my gosh. Can you even imagine? That's a crisis. It's a problem now. It'll be a crisis in a couple of years if those numbers bear out. All right. One other item. Homelessness, we never seem to stop talking about that (laughs) in Anchorage. And we, you and I, were noticing you got a press release this week. And it was funny because it seemed to be mainly about changing language. It it seemed to be just a change in language. And what what is it? It's allowable camps now instead of sanctioned, which is, 
Oh, man. And the reason given had something to do with there's less liability potentially for mm-hmm. the municipality if they don't sanction a camp, but they allow a camp. And I will leave it to lawyers to figure out if that really <laughs> protects anyone. But it was interesting to get an actual press release on that. That was fascinating. And it just, you know, and at this point, it feels like we're, you know, we're kind of nearing the tail end of summer. So, like, does it matter, <laughs> you know, like what a word is? Versus like, and in the it's meantime, gonna be cold soon. Yeah, and in the meantime, still no final deal Mm-mm. on the navigation center. Uh, the, the mayor wants it. The assembly can't find a budget for operating the center mm-hmm. that it's okay with. Mm-hmm. Uh, even if they approve it now, it's according to the mayor's office, it's doubtful that construction could be completed before the winter, and all of this means. I don't know. Back to Are Sullivan Arena. Are we back Arena? to Sullivan Arena? Yeah. Another we'll see. another winter in Sullivan Arena. Yeah. Doesn't look. I mean, we're at this point. That seems like where we're headed. I don't know how you avoid it at this point. Stay tuned <laughs> because it does seem that's the way we're going. Mm-hmm. We are going to shift now and move to the national stage because. We have an interview. Ariane Aramburo did an interview with Senator Dan Sullivan, the Republican senator from Alaska, and they discussed international affairs. And her first question to Senator Sullivan was about why it is important for the United States to be a part of a strong NATO. You know, NATO is a really important alliance, maybe one of the most successful military alliances in history helped us win the Cold War. Um, A lot of people forget NATO came to our defense after 9-11, and we want to keep NATO strong and sustainable. It's hitting uh, next year 75 years. Uh, It'll have its 75th anniversary. We want to continue that. But here's the issue. Um, You know, NATO members have all committed to spending 2% of their GDP on defense issues. Right now, seven of the 31 NATO members meet that obligation. Of course we do, we're one of the seven, but almost uh, no other country does. And my message to NATO leaders the entire time I was in Lithuania was pressing them on this issue. Hey, it is time to stand up. It is time to do your share. The American people want a strong, sustainable NATO, but we don't want it to be so unfair, so uneven, where we are doing all the heavy lifting. And I think this is a critical issue. We made some progress on it, but you know, no offense to our uh, neighbors uh, right here in Alaska, Canada. I mean, they're pathetic on this issue. They're barely a little bit over 1% of GDP. Uh, Justin Trudeau, the prime minister, was trying to block a um, NATO recommitment to this 2% goal, which uh, this uh, summit did recommit to that. So this is a critical issue. I think if um, NATO doesn't meet this, uh, other NATO members don't meet this, you're going to start to see Americans be less supportive of NATO and that wouldn't be good. And you might have touched on this already, but what is your reaction to what you heard and learned uh, at the summit? Well, there was a couple good examples. You know, Sweden joined NATO. Sweden is a very strong country, high-tech economy, big military industrial base, strategic location. 
I met with the Prime Minister of Sweden. I raised this issue. He said, Senator, we will be hitting our 2% of GDP commitment next year. That is a great example of a country saying, we get it, we understand this is important, and we will do it. Like I said, Canada's a laggard. Belgium, you know, where NATO headquarters is, this is a country with history of being overrun by great powers who are their neighbors. You know, they're barely at uh, 1%. So there's some strong examples. The new countries, uh, certainly in Eastern Europe, the Baltic nations, Poland, are all strong defense um, proponents. Uh, but a lot of original members of NATO, France, Germany, um, Spain, uh, they have not uh, met their commitments, and that's a problem. What about President Biden's address? Was it with NATO and Russia needed to hear, I think? Well, what I've said, you know, with regard to the Biden administration, I think the president deserves a credit for keeping NATO unified. That was an element of this summit and expanded to countries like Finland and Sweden in setting the framework saying we will support Ukraine with military assistance, with intelligence, but not commit um, U.S. troops to NATO. I think that's the right, or I'm sorry, to Ukraine. That's the right framework. But the Biden administration has some broader challenges. The first one with regard to Ukraine is they've slow rolled every significant weapon system that we that the Ukrainians have requested to try to help them win this war against Putin and his aggressive military. Think about it, it's HIMARS, Stingers, tanks, F-16s, Patriots, every single weapon system they slow roll. Congress in a bipartisan way, particularly in the Senate, pressure them saying, get these weapons to them, they finally do it. That's not good. And of course, the Biden administration's other big strategic problem, that's a problem for America, is three years in a row, President Biden has put forward budget requests that significantly cut the defense budget. And, you know, that is not good for national security. Right now, the current Biden budget shrinks the Army, shrinks the Navy, shrinks the Marine Corps. That's the wrong message to be sending to Putin and the dictator in Beijing, Xi Jinping. And what is your opinion about Ukraine joining NATO? Well, this issue came up, in my view, is, is, it was um, way premature. I mean, if this war is not won against Russia, Ukraine as a NATO member, it's, it's a moot point. So to me, this issue, which was a big issue during the summit, in my view, was kind of a distraction. The focus should be on winning the war defeating the Russians. And I really think that we shouldn't be entertaining any new members until all members who are currently in hit that 2% GDP commitment that they've had for decades, and a lot of them still haven't done. So that's been my view, um, that issue, which did take up a lot of the time of NATO leaders um, focus, was more of a distraction, was more premature. And that was my uh, uh, assessment of what was going on there. Anything else that you would like to mention or add in regards to your takeaways from uh, the NATO summit? Well, look, for Alaska, you know, um, given how close we are to Russia, the issue of NATO membership is a real important one. And like I said, we, um, uh, this is a, an alliance that I think we don't want to take for granted, but other countries need to step up. But uh, I did have the opportunity to visit our 
military forces, our troops in Lithuania, had lunch with a couple young Alaskan soldiers, which was great. One was from Fairbanks, one was from the Kenai. And, um, you know, that's where you see how special the U.S. military is. I mean, countries, whether it's in the Baltic countries like Lithuania or Poland or different parts of Europe, I was recently in Korea and Japan, all of these countries say, we want American troops here. We trust America. Think about the difference between us and other big powers in the world, dictatorships like Russia, China. There's no country on earth saying, oh, let's get some more Russian troops or Chinese Communist Party, People's Liberation Army, Chinese troops on our soil. They don't trust them because they're, they're there to, to dominate. We're there to liberate. And it makes you feel good and proud as an American to see our young troops doing a good job. And like I said, I had a good opportunity to have a little chow with some Alaskan soldiers in Lithuania, and they're doing a great job. Thank you, Arianne, for sharing your interview with Senator Sullivan with the Political Pipeline podcast. That is a wrap for this edition. As always, please feel free to drop us a line, an email, a Twitter response, because we want to know what you think of what we're doing. Until next time, for Rebecca Paulsha, this is David Burkhoff. Thank you.